Good morning, Frontline family. Welcome to everyone joining us in the house this morning, as well as those joining us online at different locations throughout our area, throughout our country, and different parts of the world. We had someone watching from Bournemouth in the UK last week, so wherever you're watching from this morning, let us know where you are watching from, and we welcome you as we spend this time honoring our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And church, continue to share our messages with friends and family and with work colleagues as we spread the good news of the gospel to cities and to nations. You may or may not be aware of this, but on our YouTube channel, we now have the full service that you can share with others, or if you just want to send the word to someone, you can do that as well. Both options are available. And thank you to our media team for making that happen. Can we really just thank our sound and media team this morning? There's so much hard work that goes on behind the scenes that we are unaware of. Let's just give them a big round of applause. And if you could just put the voice up for me a bit there, please, guys. Let's pray together as we commit this word to the Lord. Lord, we gather in your name this morning and we commit this time and this word to you. As your church here at Frontline, it is our desire to represent you the way that you deserve individually and as a body. And so we ask, Lord, that as we go through your word today and learn your ways, that you would highlight areas of our lives that need detoxification and replace it with your nourishment, your truth and direction. So, Lord, so that we can move on to the greater things that you have called us to fulfill. Lord, we declare today that Frontline Church is your church and we are your people. So come and have your way in each of us, we pray. We ask this all in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen and amen. Well, church, it's so good to be with you all this morning. And today we are continuing with our detox series. As I was waiting on the Lord on on what he wanted me to preach this week, I was considering to continue in our series on the book of Acts, but I felt the Lord impress on my heart that today I must speak about the pride or the issue of pride. I wasn't quite sure why, I don't know if the Lord was trying to tell me something, but as I studied this topic, church, I realized how important it is for all of us to make sure we understand how serious pride is and how we need to detoxify it from our lives. As you know by now, this series is about learning to abstain from things that are polluting us, things that are toxifying us, and then fill up with that which purifies us. It's about removing unnecessary influences in this world created by the enemy that corrupts our character, our thinking, our decision-making, and our behavior. It's about identifying and detoxifying those things, purposefully removing those things from our lives one by one so that we can be filled with godly attributes, godly thinking, godly peace, and godly authority. And church, God wants us to identify those things in our lives so that we can become all that He has created us to be. And church, you know, when you think about it, if it's important to God then it should be important to us. Amen? 
So let me start by asking you a, a bit of a leading question this morning. How many of you have a problem with pride? Would you lift your hand? Well, all right, I'm going to be preaching to you this morning, but I'm especially going to be preaching to the people who didn't raise their hands. <laughs> but in all seriousness, church, pride is a problem. Pride is a problem because it's one of the most dangerous spiritual toxins that you and I can have. It's so dangerous, in fact, that the Bible describes it as an abomination. As an abomination. And so why should you be concerned? Why should you run away from pride? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5 that God is opposed to the pride. God is opposed to pride people. The word opposed is a military term. It describes an army that is organized to fight the enemy. In other words, church, God orchestrates his army against the enemy of pride. When you look at that verse, the grammar is such that it implies that it's in the present tense. God is always and will continue to oppose pride people. Church, when God says something, it's always for our protection. It's always for our good, right? Remember, God loves you. But God knows what certain things can do to you. He knows what can separate you from Him. So His warnings are very stern because He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want to have to oppose you. He wants you right next to Him, right? He wants to be with you. That's why it says so strongly in Proverbs chapter 6, Verses 16 to 19, it says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. So question, why is it so important to detoxify yourself from pride? Because did you see what's first on the top of the list of the things that God hates? It's pride. The Bible tells us that everyone who is pride in heart is an abomination to the Lord. An abomination means that something that God detests. It's something that God hates. And then here's another reality. It's a verse that some of us have even memorized as one of our, our life verses. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And church, this morning I want you to notice the certainty of the danger of pride. What does it say? Pride goes before destruction. And church, that word destruction there is a Hebrew word that means to destroy something completely. It's a total destruction. And when you think about that reality, when you really think about that, it just doesn't make sense to be proud. But the problem, church, is that we can be proud without knowing it because pride can be very subtle. So this morning, we're going to identify what pride is not and what it is and how it can really affect our lives, and then we'll use the Word of God to show us the solution. 
Firstly, let me tell you what pride is not. Church, pride is not having a good self-image. Don't get the idea that if you have a good self-image that you're proud. Because I will tell you something. In Jesus, you're somebody. You're not a nobody. You are a somebody. Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brothers and sisters. Did you know that? If you don't believe me, read Hebrews chapter 2. It says in verse 11, Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. That means that we are his next of kin. Hallelujah. And some of you may say, well, pastor, isn't that a bit far-fetched? I would say to you, that is Bible truth. You know, I hear some people talking about the fact that they are just sinners saved by grace. And that is technically true. But that's not the Bible description of you. The Bible description of you is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's what the Bible calls you. And you are somebody because of the somebody called Jesus. If you read John chapter 13, the Bible says, Jesus, knowing that he came from God and went to God, laid his garments aside, took a towel, girded himself, and washed his disciples' feet. That is humility. That's not thinking lowly of himself. Because he knew that he came from God, right? And that he was going back to God. Pride is not a good self-image. Humility is not thinking lowly of yourself. That is very important for us to understand. Pride is not gratefulness for a job well done. We say that about an individual that takes pride in his or her work. And you give recognition for that. Or when you're grateful for the grades that your children or your grandchildren make, and you're proud of those efforts. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about the issue of pride. So what then? What is pride then if it's not what I've just mentioned? Church, let me give you a few things that should sum it up for us. And by the way, church, I'm going to give you four things this morning that pr- to show you how pride will ruin and devastate your life, if you're allowed. Pride is the most destructive thing in the universe. It is the most toxic thing for our spiritual lives. But firstly, let's identify what it is. If you're taking notes this morning, pride is an attitude of independence from God. It's an attitude that says, God, I don't need you. God, stay out of my life. I can handle it myself. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, you know what? I don't have that type of attitude. But let's have a look at a couple of things to make sure that you don't. Let me ask you, do you pray regularly? You don't have to raise your hands. If you say to me this morning, if you say to yourself, well, I don't pray very often at all, do you know why you don't pray? Your prayerlessness is not your great problem. Your great problem is that you don't feel the need to pray. A prayerless life is really just saying to God, I can handle everything on my own. Everything is going to be just fine. Our prayerlessness, church, is really a spirit of independence from God 
And if you are wrestling with prayerlessness, there's a good chance that you are wrestling with pride. Pride is a spirit of independence from God. Following along with that is a spirit of ungratefulness to God. When God has blessed us so much and we have so many things to be thankful for, sometimes we act like we deserve it and we've earned it and it's ours, right? The Apostle Paul asked this penetrating question. I'm, I'm going to ask you the same question this morning. What do you have that you have not received? Think about it. And you may say, well, Pastor, you know what? I've worked for what I've received. You're right, but who gave you the ingenuity to work? Who gave you the strength, right? Who gave you the energy? Who gave you the creativity? Did you create all of that? No. You don't have one blessed thing in your life that your heavenly Father hasn't given you. Pride is also esteeming yourself better than other people. If you think that you've achieved certain things or you have certain things and because of that you are better than somebody else, that is an issue of pride. If you don't want to be involved in a certain group or a let's use a connect group because you think that those people are not your type of people or you're better than those people, you are dealing with an issue of pride. I'm listing to some indicators this morning for you and I to identify whether or not there is some pride in our lives. Here are a few more. A proud person becomes irritated, church, when corrected for mistakes. Hello, church. Are you hearing me this morning? A proud person will not admit mistakes, and there's always an excuse. There's always an alibi. Always an attempt to justify oneself. And when disagreement comes, the proud person says, well, all right then, I can get along without you. I don't need you. You see, pride refuses to take counsel and to learn from other people. And church, this is such an important issue, this. Because a lack of openness to counsel means a lack of growth in your life. Pride is often also shows itself, church, in competition with other people. Because pride, listen to this, pride doesn't want more. Pride wants more than somebody else. C.S. Lewis quoted something very relevant about pride. He said, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. It is the comparison that makes you proud. The pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition is gone, pride is gone. That's a powerful statement. So church, we've talked about what pride is and what it isn't and how it manifests itself. Now let me give you four things that pride will do to ruin and devastate your life if you allow it. Number one, pride defies God. Pride is a fist in the face of God. We've already looked at Proverbs chapter 6 that says God sees pride as an abomination. On the list of seven things that he hates, pride is on the top of that list. 
Proverbs chapter 16 verse 5 says, Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. And it says, Assuredly, he will not go unpunished. Church, that's strong language. And why does God hate pride so much? You know why? Because it was pride that created the devil. It was pride that turned Lucifer, the son of the morning, into Satan, the father of the night. You see, the cornerstone of religion in Satan's kingdom is pride. That's what Satan's kingdom is built on. And no wonder God is so opposed to pride. Satan caused Adam and Eve to fall because of pride. When Satan came to tempt Eve, do you think that the temptation was to taste a particular kind of fruit? No. The garden was full of fruit. That wasn't the temptation. The temptation was this, that you will be as God. It was the same thing that caused Satan to fall and brought sin into the world. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, As long as you're proud, you cannot know God. Because a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And as long as you're looking down, you cannot see the God that is above you. The man that's looking down on others is not looking up at God at the same time. Pride defies God. That's the first thing. And number two, church, pride defiles man. Pride comes out of the heart and it defiles the very heart of man. The seat of pride is the heart. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 5 again Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 4, it says, A haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. Now, that is a person, church, who would plow his field without giving God thanks for the sun, giving God thanks for the germinating qualities of the seed and for the rain. He's proud, he's self sufficient. And so the Bible says that if you have pride, even when you sow, it is sin. It's a matter of the heart, you see. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. He said, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil are blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. It's in our fallen nature. And to give you an illustration, if you've seen an apple with a wormhole in it, what's your immediate thought? What do you think? How does the saying go? What's worse than seeing a, a worm in your apple? Seeing half a worm, right? Because you've bitten the other half off. I know that's gross. But I read something interesting about that, church. There are some larvae that bore their way into the apple, but a lot of the time, if not most of the time, the egg was laid in the blossom. The worm was hatched inside the apple and it made its way out. And the pride that comes out of us, it was in the blossom. 
It was on the inside and it makes its way out of the heart. So pride defies God, it defiles man. And number three, church, pride divides society. It divides people groups, it divides nations. And this is a bit of a bold statement, but there probably has never been an argument. There's probably never been a war or a divorce or a church split where pride hasn't been involved. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 10 says, Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 28 verse 25 says, He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife. And church, the obvious conclusion from that is that a person who is in fellowship with pride is out of fellowship with God. And any man or woman that is out of fellowship with God cannot be in fellowship with other people. I'm talking about genuine fellowship, especially God's people. So pride divides. It divides society. It'll even divide a church. And you know what God says? You know what Jesus says? That the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. He will not allow pride to prevail against his church. Because pride comes from the gates of hell. I want to ask the, the couples a question this morning. <laughs> uh oh Have you ever had a, a, shall we call it, an intense discussion with your husband or your wife? One that can be heard by your children or even your neighbors. You know what I'm talking about, right? If your, dis your disagreements, church, in any form of relationship get to the point of explosion and division, pride is involved. It's ego against ego. And you see, it's not that the problems are too big to solve, it's that the people are acting too small to solve them. If you put the problem out in the middle and you attack the problem rather than one another, then you can solve the problem, right? But more often than not, we're trying to win the argument, right, instead of solving the problem. You know that's true. Tell your husband or your wife next you, you know it's true. <laughs> Where there is pride, there is strife. And you see, church, if you take ego off of the throne and you put Jesus on the throne of your relationships, you will be able to sort out any problem. Ego can be a very dangerous thing. Do you know what ego stands for? I'm not talking about the dictionary description, but someone once said that ego, E-G-O, stands for edging God out. And how true is that in so many parts of our society today? Pride divides. And number four, church, here's the fourth thing that pride does. Pride dishonors your life. Pride brings dishonor into your life. And I want to tell you about one of the greatest ironies in life. What the proud person is wanting is praise, honor, esteem among people, and to be seen better than other people. That is the very thing that they want. But the irony here, church, is that the very thing a proud person wants is the very thing that they don't get. Let me show you some scriptures to, to back up what I'm saying. Proverbs 11 verse 2 says, When pride comes, then comes 
disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33, it says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility, not pride. And in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23, it says, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. The proud person wants to be praised. They want their feathers to be stroked. They want to be hyped up and honored. But the very thing that he wants is the very thing that he loses. That's a fact. Jesus taught us very clearly and plainly that the way up is down and that the way down is up. The devil's number one goal was to go up and become like God. It says in Isaiah chapter 14 from verse 13... Have a look at it with me. God is speaking to Lucifer, and he says to him, You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the death, to the dead, to the depths of the pit. The pit means hell, by the way. And then it says, those who see you, stare at you, they ponder your fate. That is, church, that they're going to have to squint in order to even see him. And they're going to say, is this the man who shook the earth and made the kingdoms tremble? Here is Satan. He's saying, I'm going to be like the most high God. Right? It's all about I, 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 and I. I'm going up, 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 and up. And God is saying, Satan, hang on a minute. You are going down, 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 down. And one day we're going to have to look down there. We're going to squint even to be able to see him. That's his future. And church, what is our Lord saying? The Lord is saying, look at the book of Philippians chapter 2 with me. He is saying, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and beneath the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's my Jesus. You see, Jesus humbled himself, he went low, but he was exalted to the highest place. Church, you and I need to do the same. We need to imitate the God who has saved us, so that he may exalt us in due time. You see, church, pride ultimately destroys everything it controls. It's like your finances. Some of you find yourself now in financial bondage because your neighbors keep on buying things that you cannot afford. 
and you think that you have to have it in order to stay up. If you're a proud person, these types of things are going to mess with your emotions. Because if you don't have the right car, if you don't have the right clothes, if you don't have the right decor in your house, if you don't have the right this or that, emotionally, it's going to get to you. And church, it's not that we can't have nice things in life. Right? And it's not that we can't prosper, because God says He wants us to prosper in all things just as our soul prospers. But if pride is controlling a certain area of your life, it will destroy what it controls. Pride is the road to ruin, whether it's financially, whether it's with your family, in your marriage, even nationally. A proud country that edges God out is heading for serious ruin. And I'll tell you, church, God is oppositional to everything that is controlled by pride, whatever it is. But I want to say something this morning. I want to say thank God that we have a loving Savior who went so low that He went to the cross and He died for you and for me so that we can believe Him when He says, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And church, I want to close this morning by reading you a parable in Luke chapter 18. Something very powerful. Watch this from verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That word, when you look at it a bit deeper, it says chief of sinners. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Church, you know what happened that day? What Jesus describes here is that two men went to church that day, and one went home dignified, and the other went home justified. Everybody in this building will go home one of those two ways today. Dignified or justified. Church, remember, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And without His grace, we are bubbles of pride that can be popped at any moment. But by the grace of God, but by the saving grace of God, as we humble ourselves, right, as we turn, as we repent of our, our pride ways and we turn back to Him, His grace is sufficient to forgive us of our sin and He will lift us up and exalt us in due season. Church, don't let pride stop you from having fellowship with God. 
Detoxify it from your life. As I said in my message last week, God has a plan directly and distinctly for as many people that are, as are listening to my voice this morning. He wants you to cross over into your destiny. And that's why he is so strong in his warning against issues like the issues of pride that we've been speaking about today. Because he knows that if you don't, church, you will sink when you cross rivers of difficulty. But if you have fellowship with God, he's going to grab you. I don't know if you've like ever seen a rugby scrum when, they, when you grab the part next to you. If you have fellowship with God, he's going to grab you and he's going to cross those rivers of difficulty with you. He doesn't want to be oppositional to you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And church, I don't want you to see today as a condemning message. I want you to see it as a love letter from God to you. He's saying, I want a relationship with you. I want the very best for you. So take my knowledge of what is good and evil, of what is life and death, and choose life. Choose the narrow path. God is saying to you this morning, church, trust me with the guidance found in my word. Remember, knowledge of God equals trust. Trust equals obedience, and obedience equals blessing. The Lord wants to bless you and me. Our responsibility is to take what we've heard and be obedient. Nothing else. We don't have to know every step of the journey. We don't have to take control. We just need to obey. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And church, I really believe in my heart this morning, the Lord is saying He wants you to draw close to Him. That's why He wants you to deal with these issues. It's not because He's a condemning God, it's because He is a loving God. He is a righteous God, though. Let's pray together. Would you stand with me this morning? And the worship team could come up, please. Let's bow our heads together. Father God, we humbly come to you in prayer today. And Lord, we acknowledge that the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And so, Lord, as your word has exposed something in us today, we come before you with repentant hearts, and we repent of any form of pride that has manifested itself in our lives, whether big or small. We repent, Lord, if we thought that somehow that we can do this life on our own and without you. Lord, if we've developed a mindset that says we're better than the next person, or if we've started comparing our lives in competition with others, or if we've allowed pride to divide our relationships, we ask that you would shine a spotlight on those areas so that you could purge those attitudes that separate us, Lord, from being in fellowship with others and especially with you. Lord, break the pride in us today. Break the pride in us. You say that you resist the pride. But Lord, you also said that you give grace to the humble. 
So we ask for your saving grace this morning, Lord, as we turn back to you and put you on the throne of our lives. We submit all control and authority over our lives into your capable hands. And Lord, develop in us a humility from today that, will, that you will exalt in due season for your purposes and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.